Welcome to Women Inseparable with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. This season is a study of Colossians. Read it, study it, and live it. Here's Jacqueline. We are on week four of our first four weeks. I asked you on week one to make a commitment for our 12-week study to come for four weeks. And during those four weeks to read the book of Colossians. How are you, without judging yourself, without comparing your reading ability to what it once was or what you want it to be, where you are today, are you proud of the way you've been reading those scriptures the last four weeks? I pray that you're proud because I'm telling you, if you read one word over the last four weeks and you thought about that word constantly, then you are right where you should be. You're as you are, you're where you are, and you're in the Word of God. Well done. Congratulations. We are going to finish chapter four. We're going to read chapter four, and we're going to see what the Lord has. Starting next week, we're going to study. We're going to start studying the book of Colossians. Whew. Going to get deep. We're going to get in there. But right now, we're going to finish reading um, Colossians 4. You do have um, a handout. And this was a little bit of a challenge for me in this handout because I wanted to grab my favorite commentaries. <laughs> and I wanted to add to this handout via commentary. But that goes against our four week goal, does it not? So, as the one walking with you in this reading goal, I was, my, my goal was to come up with this list as a reading source, and I found this list only simply by reading, not by studying. So I didn't study one commentary, I didn't look up one thing, everything that's on that paper you could do today by yourself. I don't know where you are in Bible study and Bible reading, but I can tell you right now, every one of you could do that paper today, whether I hand it to you or not. All I did was I pulled up my YouVersion app. You guys have the YouVersion Bible app? And on the bottom of your YouVersion app is a little magnifying, right? Push that button, it's your search button. And I went through the book or the chapter of Colossians 4 and every name that was in there, I put the name in the search and I pushed search. And I wanted to see where this name was in scripture. And I didn't want to read a commentary and I didn't want that commentary to tell me what that man thinks of this person. I wanted to see what scripture said about this person. I read scripture and I wrote those passages. I didn't give you the full verse because challenges are good. <laughs> Who all noticed that? Oh, there's a lot of chapters on this. My prayer is that we will read Colossians this week. And whether you make it through every single name on this list, or you pray over this list, you pray over Colossians 4, and you say, God, who do I relate with the most? Who can my heart understand? And then read those scriptures. Focus on those scriptures and read that person. Don't read from commentaries. Don't go to your resources online. Go to the Word of God and simply read what's going on. And to find out what's happening with that person, it's good to read the whole chapter so you know where that person fits in the story that's being said about that person. Does that make sense? 
find your person. And once you find that person, you're like, I understand what that guy is feeling. I know what that woman is going through. As a home group leader, I know what she's facing. And you're in this mindset of these people that are listed in the very word of God, then read Colossians 1 all over again. As if you're sitting with that person, as if you are in that person's shoes and you're reading Colossians, needing this encouragement to that degree. Does that make sense? There's your personal challenge. So if you have our booklet and you're keeping track of your personal challenges, write that in there so you can hold yourself accountable. Text a friend in this room. Say, I'm going to be, pick a person and hold each other accountable. We have our Telegram channel, um, WI Online on Telegram. Pop on there and be like, this is my person. Who's your person? And let's do dialogue this week as to how you're going to read the Word of God. Sound good? There's your challenge. I feel like I've talked a lot and it's time to pray. Can we do that? Let's do that. Dear Gracious Father, oh, we thank you so much. We thank you for giving us a day. Mornings come and we get to take a deep breath. We get to pick our mindset. We get to decide our steps. We get to make choices from the minute we step out of bed to the minute we get into our car as to whom we hug, how we move forward, whom we serve, who we pray for, whether or not we pray for ourselves. We get to decide if we want to pick up your book, if we want to listen to it, whether we want to read it. We get to make choices. We have the freedom to make choices all in the world that you give us. And we thank you so much for that freedom. We thank you for the love of Jesus Christ. We thank you for his life on earth. We thank you for his choice in humanity. We thank you for his willingness to die in our shame and our guilt and our sin on the cross. Lord, we thank you that we conquered. We thank you that he conquered death. He sealed it and gave us life, life eternal. And we thank you so much for that. We thank you, Jesus Christ, for rising from the dead. We thank you for giving us that gift of salvation. We thank you for the very word of God that allows us to move forward in our salvation, that we can grow and be rooted and built up and established in the very faith of who you are. I pray that you'll be with us as we lay Colossians 4 before you. I pray for my voice, that it'll be loud enough for every ear in this room. I pray for your word to be clear for every woman who hears this study, whether today or in home groups or online. I pray that you'll be over that girl right now. And I pray that your scripture, Lord Jesus, will just come to life today. I pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, Colossians 4. Did you know that it wasn't until the 1500s, history lesson, huh? It wasn't until the 1500s that there were chapters and verses in the Word of God. Isn't that interesting? When the letters were written, they were not written in chapter. Do you remember the day when you wrote a letter? I have two boxes, two small, white, pretty large, actually, boxes in my hope chest full of letters from my boyfriend, handwritten while he's on the flight line at Nellis Air Force Base in Las Vegas, Nevada. He'd write me letters every day. He denies that he sent them every day. He sent one to me every day while I was at college in California. I have letters front and back, four or five pages. 
Never did he put a chapter in there. <laughs> so when I need to go back, and I've done this many times over our 20 years of marriage, sometimes, like when he's hunting, he's a hunter, so he'll be gone for a week here, a week there, and I'll miss him, and I need his words, so I'll sit with his letters, and I'll just pick one randomly from the box, and I'll read. And I can't go through and say, oh, I remember this letter. I'm going to flip to page three, section halfway down. I start from the beginning every time, and I read the entire letter. And I love the letter. There are some letters I could quote to you because I've read them so many times. Letters are written from a heart to a heart. This is the book of Colossians. The book of Colossians is written by Paul to a church that he had never even been to. It was written to a body of believers that he didn't even know. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. And you read through, we've read through Colossians a time or two. We've read at least a word or two in this book over this last month. And it's personal. There's a lot of heart in Colossians. Have you noticed that? Very, very passionate, very real, very deep. Paul had no idea who these people were. If he passed these people on the street, he would not be able to call them by name. But he wrote this letter. A letter of sincerity because he heard about this church and he knew representatives from this church and on behalf of the people that knew the people he was in love with this church how sweet it is to brag on the people that you know how often do you do that kind of easy sometimes to taint our words and to say like, oh, yes, bless her soul. <laughs> no, people, women don't do that. How often do we purpose to brag on our Bible study girls? Do you do that? How often do you brag on your church, your body of believers? Brag on them, stand by them, fight for them, fight for them in prayer, fight for them in knowledge and wisdom and growth. Pray the name of Jesus Christ over your pastor, over the leadership, over your church. Do that. It's needful. Paul's writing this letter to this church and he starts off saying, I am Paul and these are my words to you and these are the people that I want you to focus on. Could you imagine having your very name penned in the Word of God? These aren't like superheroes. These people that are listed in Colossians 4 are just that, people. It's you, it's me, and their names happen to be in the Word of God. They're not miraculous. They're not anything more than the person that is sitting in your seat. My prayers that will relate to these people today. Before we go into Colossians 4, because there's a division there in our modern Bibles, I want to go back to Colossians 3 and start with verse 18, because that goes into chapter 4. There's kind of like a dialogue that for whatever reason, Colossians 4 breaks it up. We're not going to study this, but I want to read it in its entirety. Is that fair? Colossians 3:18 our favorite verse. <laughs> Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Notice who Paul is speaking to specifically. He gives a specific group of people 
and a specific exhortation. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. A specific group of people and a specific exhortation. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. A specific group of people and a specific exhortation. We see this continue as I finish reading. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. And that's sweet. Bond servants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. My prayer is when you go through the people that are listed in the conclusion of this letter, that you'll zero back into 22, because that's a specific, specific nail to the heart of one of the specific receivers of this letter. 23 says, whatever you do, he's still talking to the bond servants. Do you notice that? The specific group. He says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord, not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. That whole specific exhortation was for a specific group, the bondservant. Chapter 4 begins with masters, specific group. And it says, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Specific groups. Remember these specific groups as you finish this letter. And then when you find your person, go back to these verses and figure out where do I sit with these specific exhortations. As modern day people, we can sit and be like, oh, wife, yep, that's me. Oh, husband, yep, that's him. And we cast our stones upon ourselves. I need to do better upon our husband. You need to do better upon our children. Do you hear what the word of God says? <laughs> and we find our favorites as modern day Christians. But as the receiver of this letter, pay close attention to the exact exhortation that's being said. It's very, very deeply applicable. Verse two, this is still a specific exhortation. And we're speaking to masters. It says, continue steadfastly in prayer. You imagine if the person who is in power, the person who is labeled master is a person that continues in prayer. Can you imagine that? How about we use that as a prayer list? Pray for those that are considered our master and pray that they are in the mindset of continual prayer. That's a good prayer to pray right there. Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word so that we can declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, those that do not know the name of Jesus Christ, 
making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious. Let it be seasoned with salt so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Powerful section. And I'm dying to dig into it. And God's very clearly on my heart saying, don't say a word about this passage. You're welcome. <laughs> Have fun with that. <laughs> sit, sit with those for another month. We'll talk about that passage when we go through our study on Colossians 4. Sound good? Verse 7. Tychicus, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. First name mentioned. He is a beloved brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. What an amazing, amazing testimony of this person. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are. Who are we? Who are we? Chapter 1 tells us, right? Paul, Epaphras. I always look back and say, who are we talking about? I have sent him to you for this very purpose so that he can tell you how we are doing and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus. Onesimus is our faithful and our beloved brother. Onesimus is one of you. They will tell you of everything that has taken place here. Onesimus, there is a book in the Bible that is written entirely about Onesimus. Not a name we frequent. Not a name we name our child, our pet. It's not our go-to name. But there's a book in the Bible that is all about Onesimus. And it was written at the same time as this book of Colossians. And it was written to the same recipient. Person's name, Philemon. Philemon was a master. Onesimus was a bond servant. Onesimus left his bond servant or his master. He fled. He escaped. He left. His master was furious. This is how we're reading this passage. On Onesimus' escape, he ran across this man. This man's name was Paul. Paul asked him a simple question. Do you know Jesus? And had that dialogue that we all know very well. Onesimus received Jesus Christ as a Savior. How precious is that sentence right there? And Onesimus sat with Paul. Paul was in prison, and Onesimus, Onesimus sat with Paul. Grew under Paul. Grew in wisdom and knowledge. Grew in understanding grew in acknowledging the fact of who he is and what he did wrong and what he had to do to make it right. Paul writes this letter and says to Onesimus, will you go back to your hometown? A, that's hard to go back to your hometown after you've fled. That's hard. Some of us know how hard it is to go home. Also, Paul asked him, will you go back to that church and send this letter? And that person that goes to this church is Philemon. Will you go hand this letter to Philemon? That's brave. That's going back to the person that could cause a lot of physical pain in your life. Think about that. That's what Onesimus had to do. Philemon didn't know all of this until he got this letter. 
Philemon was showing up to church with this in the back of his mind. My, my servant left. He's gone. Have you ever had something happen and it's always in the back of your mind? Doesn't matter where you are at work, at church, at home, in bed, awake. It's always in the back of your mind. This is where Philemon is. And then this letter comes from Paul and he reads, he listens to chapter one, he's encouraged. And he listens to chapter two and he's encouraged. He listens to chapter three and he's loving every word that he hears. And then chapter four comes and he's specifically hearing masters be continual in prayer. And he goes, okay, I need to hear that. And then he reads the rest of that exhortation. He's like, oh, oh, I need to hear that. And then he hears Onesimus is sent directly from me to hand this letter to you. What is his blood doing right now? These are very real people, very real situations. Imagine that person, you know, that person handing you a letter saying, will you please read this before you judge me? This will explain everything. Before I say a word, will you please read this letter? Please. As you're shaking in your boots on what the response will be. Verse 10 says, Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, greets you. And Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And then there's that little parenthesis that says, concerning whom you have received instructions, I've talked to you, you've heard before about Mark. If he comes to you, will you please welcome him? That little phrase kind of stands out, doesn't it? Like, why? There's passages on that little handout that explain why. And I want to say so much, and I'm going to say nothing at all. That's Mark. And Barnabas isn't a specific list connected to Colossians. However, Barnabas's name is in this, so I added him to your reading list. Barnabas is one of my favorite men in the Bible. I love, I love Barnabas. And many of the scriptures that talk about Mark talk about Barnabas. So you'll overlap some reading. You'll love that. Verse 11 says, And Jesus, who is called Justice, period. The only time this justice is mentioned in scripture. And there's no phrase after his name. There's a period after his name, almost as if it stands alone. No other scripture to go with it. And I pray for the person that clings to that, that feels that in their heart and they reread those words. Jesus, who is called Justice. And then there's a passage that groups Aristarchus, Mark, Barnabas, and Justice. And it says this, these are the only men of the circumcision among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God. These are the only men of the circumcision. Paul was a little side note. Paul was a missionary to the Gentiles. He was not a missionary to the Jewish nation. He was a missionary to the Gentiles. But yet you look at Aristarchus and you look at Mark and you look at Barnabas and you look at Jesus, who is called justice. And it says, these are the only men of the circumcision. That's a term of the Jewish nation. These are the only Jews that were standing with Paul saying, yeah, I want to share my gift of salvation to the Gentile nation. That says a lot about Jesus, who is called justice, isn't it? He found his salvation. He said, okay, there's a group of people that I do not live with. I don't like to live among. There's a social separation between us and them. 
However, Jesus Christ made a way for me, and I want to go and make a way for them through the name of Jesus Christ. Social separation. Hmm. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> These four men have been a comfort to me, says Colossians 4.10. How precious, how precious it is to be connected to a body of Christ. How big and how small it is that bring you comfort when there's no comfort. I was talking to one of our very girls a couple days ago on the phone. And she says, at the hardest times and the strangest times, the Lord just puts your face, she says to me, and the faces of our women inseparable in my mind and on my heart. And like that, comfort washes over me. Our body of Christ just among women inseparable in the realm of the world is very, very small. But when darkness comes and heartache comes and we get knocked down, we are among a group of women that are holding each other in prayer. And in that, we have comfort that is brought to us. Paul has a list here, just handful of people. And he says, I'm sitting here in prison. And these are the people that are comforting me. This is who you are. Friend, who is your person? When that heartache comes, when that hurt comes, when society knocks you down, who's your group of body of believers? Who is that? And are you allowing their very name, the very face, even if you're not even in contact with them, just the face washes comfort over you because they are your body of Christ. The body of Christ is so vast. It's so, so far, so east to west. It covers our entire world, our body of Christ. And it's so easy to say, well, I can't worry about my problem because our body of believers in fill in the blank is struggling so much more than I ever am. But do you know that wherever that place is, whether it's across our nation or across our world and the heartaches that they're going through, do you know they have a body of believers that's comforting them right now? And if every single body of believers all over our world are comforting the people that they know, they're face-to-face people, and they're holding their face-to-face people connected in the comfort of the name of Jesus Christ, the body of Christ will explode in comfort. Pray for our, our family that's all over the world but cling to the body that is around you because God has you where you are as you are right now for that person that's next to you. That's amazing. Say, I have no purpose. I don't know where, what my job is. Look at the person next to you and smile. There's your purpose. And you're like, but that's so simple. That's so little. Uh-uh. What did these people do? They sat. They sat while Paul was in prison and they sat. They weren't, they didn't do anything, but they were themselves. And just them being themselves in his presence and in his prayer brought comfort. That's huge. I, on my way here, there was a song on the radio called, um, oh gosh, Dream Small. Perhaps the title was Dream Small. And I've heard the song multiple times. 
And whenever I'm getting ready to teach anywhere, I always pray that the worship that I need to hear, I'll hear, and I'll have time of worship before I speak. This song that I've heard many times by Josh Wilson comes on, and I just start crying. And that right there is what these men did for Paul. They were present. That's what they were. They weren't pretending. They weren't being fake. They weren't being stronger than they should be or weaker than how they felt. They were present. There's power in being present. The person next to you finds comfort simply through your presence. That's huge. Verse 12, Epaphras. We've seen this name throughout Colossians. Colossians, this very letter was written because of Epaphras. He is one of you, Paul writes, a servant of Christ Jesus, is what Paul says of this man. And then he writes a specific, very, very personal word about him. He says, Epaphras greets you. (laughs) He says, hello. It's not too intimate. We say that to people all the time, right? Like I was talking to, talking to my mother-in-law on the phone the other day. Like, tell everybody I said hello. That's what happened. Epaphras greets you. Okay. Tell me I said hi. And then he says this. He says, Epaphras is always struggling on your behalf in his prayers. He's struggling. We see this in chapter one. He's struggling always in his prayer over you, which means in his distance, because he was away from his church at the time. And while he was away from his people, he was in prayer for his people so much that he was struggling in prayer over them. We talked about that last week a little bit. We had our whiteboard filled with names. How beautiful was that whiteboard full of names? How precious to have that prayer list with us throughout the week. And we look over our names, we look over our prayer requests, and we pray at two in the morning and we go back to sleep and we wake up at four and we pray. We're struggling in prayer over our body of believers. This is what he's doing. So much so verbally so that Paul knew that this is happening, which means they were praying out loud to one another, perhaps, and Paul was hearing it. Or Paphras was perhaps by himself in the other room, praying out loud in tears and struggling and laying everything at the foot of the cross and Paul overheard it. However, that connection happened. Paul knew the amount of prayer that was being poured over his church, which kind of adds to why there was so much passion in this letter from a stranger named Paul over a church he had never visited because he knew the passion that was in this church because of this man. And then he goes on and tells exactly what was being prayed over them. This, I think, is one of the most powerful statements of this whole book. It says, Epaphras is praying, is always struggling on your behalf that you may stand mature and that you may be fully assured in all the will of God. Say, I have this person and I don't know what to pray over this person. Steal this prayer. Pray that your person stands mature and that they will stand fully assured in all the will of God. Could you imagine if that person gets that answer to your prayer? That's beautiful. Verse 13, 
He says, for I bear him witness that he has worked hard for you and for those in Laodicea and for those in Hierapolis. This man was a traveling man of God. So it's about a 10 mile radius. We're not studying, but just to let you know, there's like a 10 mile radius going on between these three towns. He was over these, these churches. He was passionate over these churches. Verse 14 continues through our list. He says, Luke, it's not an unfamiliar name for us. This is, this is a name that some of us choose for our children. We like the name of Luke. We love uh, Dr. Luke. He says, Luke, the beloved physician, says hi. He greets you. And that's all he says about Luke. There's a whole book. Here's a couple. And then there's three more words and says, as does Demas. Demas says hi. Demas is mentioned in scripture three times. Those three scriptures are on your book. I did not add Colossians to any of these names because if these names are on your reading list, it's because they came from Colossians. So you'll see their name in Colossians. So I save space on our papers and overwhelmingness on our reading list. So Colossians doesn't count, but counting Colossians for Demas, he is listed three times. Read Demas. And if you can connect to Demas, read Colossians again as Demas and be real. Deal? Verse 15, he says, Paul says, give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea. Give my greetings to Nympha and the church that's in her house. And when this letter has been read among you, will you have it read also in the church of the Laodiceans? And will you see that you read the letter from the Laodiceans? Swap letters, please. They did not have the New Testament. They just received it for the first time. The book that we take for granted, the book that we leave on our counters, the book that is thrown in our purse and goes everywhere with us, the book that we cling to, they received it for the very first time. They had no idea when they got this letter from Paul that they were holding the New Testament. Isn't that interesting? They were reading a letter that was put into a box in a hope chest to revisit one day when you were missing your author and needing an encouragement. They were receiving a letter from a man that they heard of that they had never met. And here, 2,000 years later, we're holding that same letter written from an author, a human author that we've never met. We'll meet one day, but we've never met. He's never met us. But the ultimate author of this book knows you by name, loves you dearly, prays for you every day can't even say every day. He is in constant prayer over you. John 17, if you need to be confirmed in Jesus's prayer over you, read John 17. Add that to your reading list. Jesus loves you. He concludes in verse 17. He says, and say to Archippus, and then there's a quote. (laughs) So I love the visual in my head. The whole church is told to say this one sentence to Archippus. I'm curious how many times, how many people obeyed (laughs) and went up to him and told him this one line of exhortation. Can you imagine being that person? Standing at the door saying bye to everybody and everybody saying one sentence to you? It's a good, you know, kick in the pants. Okay, I think I know what the will of God is for me right now. (laughs) I think I've got that neon sign. He says, say this to Archippus. See that you fulfill the ministry that you have received 
in the Lord. That's so intimate. As you are where you are in your person, in your Bible study group, in your body of believers, see that you fulfill the ministry that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, period. Grace be with you. I started writing the book of Colossians because I wanted to see what that felt like. I have not finished yet. I have about 11 pages of Colossians written down. I just will write one page at a time because I want to like, I want to feel it as I write it with my own hand. I wanted to feel what Paul felt in prison writing this letter. This is not a quick letter to write. Very passionate letter to write. Then he concludes and says, every word that is in this letter, I wrote to you. What an amazing way to say, I love you. You're not alone. I'm in this with you. Dear Heavenly Father, how sweet it is that you allowed Paul to write this letter. How sweet it is that the church received this letter, that the letter didn't get lost in transition, that Onesimus was able to complete the task that he so obediently took on. I thank you so much for the, the life that was happening during the day of this letter. I thank you for the forgiveness that took place within this body of believers. I thank you for the connection of bondservant and master that took place between Philemon and Onesimus. I pray right now that as we are today, that you'll speak to our hearts. Lord, if there's a matter of forgiveness that's on our heart that we need to just spill out, that we need to offer, that we need to receive, I pray that we will stand with the examples of this book and give the gift or receive the gift of forgiveness. I pray that you will heal in such mighty ways over that. Lord, there are so many emotions, so many realities, so many perceptions from each and every one of these individuals. I pray that that perception that we need today will spill out from your spirit within our souls this week. Help us to read this letter brand new this week that will cling to the passion of these words that will allow them to wash over us. And Lord, I pray above all things that the comfort that comes with the name of Jesus Christ will wash over us so much so that it affects the body believers that we're connected with. Help us to be a comfort to one another. And Lord, I pray that we'll receive graciously the comfort that is given to us. How sweet and mighty you are. We love you. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Telegram at WI Online. If you need prayer, contact us at womeninseparable at gmail.com.